What's up, everybody? What's good? Welcome to Creating Madness. We got a fantastic episode today. Today, we're going to be going over Joe Lenardi's uh, bracket that he just released predicting the 2021-22 season. It should be a fun episode, but before we get started, we want to shout out the Unwrap Sports Network. Uh, they are our exclusive partner uh, of our podcast. Uh, check out their socials, Twitter, Instagram, their partner podcast, and make sure to check out their Patreon which is $1 to become a fan, $5 to uh, join in exclusive Discord chat with sports fans just like you from across the country, and $10, you get everything in the $5 perk, and yes, I mean everything, and you have a choice at a, a chance at a signed giveaway. I would say signed jersey like I did the episode, but this month we have a signed helmet. Yes, I heard you, you heard me right, a signed helmet. Uh, so make sure to check that out. We're going to be uh, getting some signed goods every month. Make sure also to check out our socials uh, at underscore madness, uh, creating madness for our Instagram and at ATR madness for Twitter. All right, boys, John and Ethan, welcome again. Let's do uh, our little prediction, shall we? Sounds good. Oh, real quickly before we jump in, uh, the helmet is a Ricky Williams signed helmet from the Saints, one of my personal favorites ever as a UT fan. So I'd really advise checking it out. It's a really cool one. Like you said, Ricky Williams from the New Orleans Saints. And like I said, we're going to be having uh, new stuff out every month. So check that out on the $10 membership. All right. Let me get started with Gonzaga, Texas Southern. Now, this is a pretty familiar matchup. Uh, Michigan, of course, played Texas Southern this year um, in the NCAA tournament. And Gonzaga getting uh, Chet Holmgren, I expect a similar result. Uh, obviously, you're losing Jalen Suggs to the draft, but you're going to retain a lot of your good players because a lot of them don't declare for the draft right away out of Gonzaga. And, you know, Texas Southern, you would have a pretty much a similar team. I agree with Lenardi's prediction here, but I got to go Gonzaga in a blowout. Then we got Auburn, Virginia. I disagree with this completely. I I, th- I think that uh, Lenardi's being way too harsh on Virginia losing, you know, that uh, one uh, that one seed game again. Uh, not not a one seed that that uh, first round game again. I I don't think they're a nine. I think that I think they will be maybe a five or a six, and maybe as generous as a four like last year. But I don't I don't think they're going to be a nine. I think that's a little too harsh from Joe Lenardi. Auburn as an eight, I could see. You know they're a good um, SEC team. They I don't think they will be quite up there yet. So I agree with an eight. But if they did play, I have. Uh, I have uh, Virginia winning in this one because I think they are going to be – they're better than a nine. They're way better than a nine, and I don't think Lenardi's giving them enough credit. John, do you want to go into your game? That's great. Um, my five – or my next, next game up is uh, projected to be University of Texas versus the winner of Creighton and Richmond. Um, this is coming from a place of a UT homer, but I think UT wins this game convincingly. I believe with our additions in the transfer portal and our – uh, keeping of, or sorry, our keeping of Jace Febris and Andrew Jones, along with the addition of Devin Askew from Kentucky, former five star, uh, big man Timmy Allen from Utah, who was your best player this year, and uh, arguably the best player from Creighton this year, Christian Bishop, who uh, led them to a Sweet 16 appearance along with Marcus Zagorowski. Um, I believe that UT will convincingly be the winner of this matchup uh richmond lost four out of their five top scorers so i don't even think they'll make the tournament in a 
usually competitive A-10, and I see Texas blowing out the winner. For our next game, we have Houston versus Wright State. Houston is losing Quentin Grimes, their best player, but they're adding a pretty solid substitute in Kai Edwards. As for Wright State, they are the Horizon representative, but usually the Horizon League is not particularly competitive in the tournament at all, and I believe Lenardi is seeding a, a Horizon League team pretty high at 13. So I think that Houston won this game convincingly. They've shown that they're good in the tournament. Uh, they were really slept on in this year's tournament, even though they were two seed and they still advanced all the way to the final four. So I think that Houston will win this game convincingly. Ethan? Oh, uh, yeah. Moving on, you got the UConn as the sixth seed versus Northwestern. UConn's losing their star sophomore, James Booknight. But it looks like out of their seniors, at least two of them will return, possibly Isaiah Whaley, but most likely it's going to be Josh Carlson. They're going to have to really rely on the young talent again. Probably Richie Springs will have to take a huge role, Andre Jackson, and then they're going to have to rely on the incoming freshman, Razul Diggins, who will definitely have a big role. And then they'd be going up against Northwestern, who has six out of their seven returning scores are coming back, only missing Cop, who's transferred to Indiana. Look for Casey Simmons and Brooks Barnheiser to take on key roles. My prediction would be UConn. They're a young team, so is Northwestern. But you know what? Northwestern actually has a little more firepower. Give me Northwestern in this matchup. Bold take. Bold take. Um, our next game up is the three-seed Arkansas Razorbacks versus the 14-seed South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Arkansas came off of a very impressive Elite Eight finish in this year's tournament, losing to the eventual champion, Baylor Bears. Um, and I see Arkansas continuing the same success, starting with a first-round victory against South Dakota State. I'm going a little chalk, guys. Sorry, but uh, Arkansas added Chris Likes from Miami, their best player. And they also added shooting guard out Diase Tony. I can't really pronounce his name, but he he balled out, averaged 16 points. And I think that with this fully loaded backcourt, even though they lose Moses Moody, I think they convincingly beat this South Dakota State team in this hypothetical matchup. Uh, who? Uh, oh, me again. <laughs> in our next matchup, we have Virginia Tech versus Colorado State. Virginia Tech loses Kiev. Aluma, Tyrese Radford, and Naheem Aliye. There's all their, uh, sorry, sorry. They retain all those players from their tournament appearance. Um, although they lost a very tight game to Florida, I believe that then since they're returning their three best players, uh, they should have a great shot at beating this Colorado State team. This Colorado State program has not made the tournament since 2013 and is looking to be the representative out of the Mountain West, which is usually a pretty competitive new major conference. Um, a little side note about them. They have an Austin, Texas player from Dripping Springs High School. His name's Trace Young. He's very, very good. <laughs> That's all I have to say about him. I saw him in person. And, but I think even though they have Trace Young, I think that Virginia Tech comes out with a convincing victory. Definitely taking a look at our next matchup between Ohio State and Coastal Carolina. The thing that intrigues me about Coastal Carolina, uh, Ethan and I have discussed this before and what type of teams they have. Seven rising seniors. They're gonna they're gonna really depend on senior leadership here as a 15 seed. They're gonna be wicked good in the Sun Belt. But taking a look at Ohio State, you know, you're gonna have some guys declare for the draft. Um, but you'll have people stay. You know, you have some good juniors. Uh Seth Towns, graduate transfer. He was the number one transfer, by the way. He's gonna be gone. I, I don't know the situation with Dwayne Washington, but he's a junior right now. I don't know if he's gonna declare for the draft yet. But um if, if he stays, I, 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 I think Ohio State has a commanding win. 
But I, I think if he doesn't, it's going to be a very close game, but I think Ohio State will take it in the end. I, I agree with you on that one, Ben. Next up, in the, yeah, number one, Alabama, 16 Northeastern. All right. Alabama's, I'll just say their roster. Javon Clinterly, Josh Primo, J.D. Davidson, Jaden Shacklefolt, Keon Ellis, Darius Miles, Jason Holt, Namuri Burnett, Jawan Gary, James Rojas, Keon Ambrose Hilton, Alex Tachuku, Charles Bediaco, and Langston Wilson. Many publications have this Alabama team as the number one overall seed. I'm sorry, I don't need to go into Northeastern. Give me Bama by 30, minimum. <laughs> uh, so for our next matchup, I'm covering the eight versus nine game, Oregon versus Mississippi State. Um, Oregon is coming off a speed 16 appearance, um, a very impressive one at that, but they are losing a significant amount of talent. They're losing their three best scorers, uh, in Eugene Amuari, Chris Duarte, and LG Figuera, who led this team through the tournament. They are adding a five-star prospect from prolific prep, Nathan Brittle, but I don't necessarily agree with this eight ranking, especially with the fact that the Pac-12 has shown that they can play. So I really don't know if you're going to put them this high considering they're going to be in a really good conference next year. As with Mississippi State team, they're coming off an 8-10 and 10 finish towards the very bottom of the SEC. I, I don't know if I see them making the tournament. They haven't had any high-impact transfers, and I don't see much changing outside of the fact that they have a young roster who's going to build on their minimal success last year, they did beat Kentucky in the conference tournament, but that was only that was one of the big notable wins in this program, even though Kentucky didn't even make the tournament. Um, in this hypothetical, give me Oregon, but it's, I don't think it's going to happen. As you mentioned, there's a lot of these teams that we're not even sure if they make this tournament. I got St. Bonnie versus Ohio. St. Bonnie's returning five, like, wow, this five versus 12 matchup, returning seven out of seven of their top scorers including five of them in double digits. Six of those seven are juniors, and this team will have to lay it all on the floor for their fourth year in the CBB. They were just juniors. And then you got Ohio. This all depends if Jason Preston comes back and if the two seniors return. Either of these two things don't happen. I don't even see Ohio in the spot. Let's say they both do, though. I still see St. Bonnie just because if one thing goes wrong for Ohio, it's over. Jason Preston needs to ball out, and if he doesn't, St. Bonnie wins by 12 at minimum. Right. So I'm covering the next game, four versus 13 matchup, Duke Blue Devils versus Liberty Flames. This Flames program has had a lot of success recently in the tournament. They've had a few big tournament wins, um, including over the team that I last covered, Mississippi State, a few years ago. Um, but I think it stops here. I'm going very chalk. I'm very sorry. But uh, this Duke team looks to be very impressive. I think that they – could be higher than a four seed. They're adding the best recruit in the 2021 class, arguably Paolo Banchero, along with a great small forward and AJ Griffin. Um, they're returning DJ Stewart and Jeremy Roach, who is a great backcourt. Uh, they're also keeping centers or sorry, big man, Henry Coleman and Mark Williams, along with adding uh, graduate power forward, Patrick Tepe. Um, I really can see this team doing big things. Um, although they're losing, their best player from this year, Matt Hurt. I see them uh, beating this Liberty Flames team, considering they actually have a bit of experience this year, uh, unlike the few previous years with this team. And I see Duke maybe even being higher than a four seed. 
You know, I actually agree with you on that, John. Moving on to the Syracuse-VCU game. Syracuse is a six-seed, VCU 11. Syracuse losing Kadari Richmond, who is a very good role player for them. But they returned two of their three top scorers, who combined for 31 points, along with adding Samir Torrance and Jimmy Beheim. Beheim was a 16-point-per-game scorer. Honestly, just pairing those two brothers up, it looks like Jim Beheim could be retiring soon. VCU loses Nashawn Highland, a 20-point-per-game scorer, so newcomer Jalen DeLoach will need a big role along with second-leading scorer, the senior, Vince Williams, Jr. Or my bad, Jr. Uh, my prediction, give me Syracuse. They're on a tricky defensive scheme, and the Bayheim Bros will knock down shots from deep. Uh, next up is Ben with Indiana and Notre Dame. Yeah, uh, so we got um, Indiana, Notre Dame, and here's the thing that really uh, gets me. Uh, Prentice Hub, leading scorer for Notre Dame, is going to be a rising senior along with some of their other stars and role players. This Indiana team has not no one that really stands out to me, and you know, a, a big a power five team with great senior, uh, senior leadership is going to be dangerous to beat. So I have uh, Notre Dame in this one. And Villanova, Vermont, you know, we've seen the Catamounts do amazing things in the past. Uh, I'm not that sure that they're going to win this tournament. I'm going to be honest. I think it's going to be, I, I, I believe in my heart, it's going to be UMBC who's going to win this tournament uh, j- just on prior experience. But if, if, if it was today, Villanova, Vermont, you know, uh, Villanova is probably going to be losing Jeremiah Robinson Earl. They're going to be keeping Colin Gillespie, which is huge because he's a great guard for them. Uh, they're going to be keeping, you know, some others like Justin Moore and uh, some other role players. I have Villanova in this one. Definitely. Uh, I accidentally skipped over the Maryland-Iona game, so I'll go into that really quickly. Maryland got Julian Reese and Ike Cormish, two four-star kids that are coming in. And they also got Qudas Wahab, who had 13-8, and eight, and Fats Russell, who had 13 points per game. Ayala will be able to perform his catch-and-shoot duties. Although Morcel has answered his name to the draft and transfer portal, he could still come back. This team is looking incredible, although they might be a bit overrated with the three seed. I think that with Aaron Wiggins coming back, the sky's the limit for the Terrafins. That's for Iona. Trey James and Walter Clayton are the two incoming freshmen that are big names to watch for Patino's squad. And with Isaiah Ross, future unclear, give me Maryland. Easy. Sorry for skipping you over there, Ethan. Uh, I do apologize. But to move on to the next region, we have the number one seed UCA Bruins versus uh, Bryant and sorry, the winner of Bryant and Morgan State. Um, Bryant coming out of the Northeast Conference and Morgan State coming out of the MIAC. Uh, you'll see in next week's episode, general consensus is we don't really think too highly of these conferences. Um, but even though UMBC uh, did come from the Northeast Conference, give me UCLA. Now, the only concerning thing about UCLA is that Johnny Juzang has submitted his name into the NBA draft. Uh, portal, I guess you call it now. Um, but he is retaining his eligibility. He's just exploring his options as of the, right now, the recording of this episode. So if he does stay, this team looks amazing. Um, but even if he does leave, even though he was very good with this team, this team is still keeping every single player except for Chris Smith, who wasn't even that high of an impact player on this team. So I still really like this roster and give me UCLA. Yeah, for sure. Next up, you got Illinois, the 8th seed, versus Oklahoma State, the 9th seed. 
With A.O. and Kofi gone, Cabrillo, Trent, and Grandison are going to have to lead this team. And with two big incoming transfers and Luke Good and R.J. Melendez coming in, this young Illinois team will need to prove its worth. Overall, top five team in the Big Ten with potential for more. We'll see how they do. And then you got Oklahoma State, the nine seed. Just lost their second best point guard in college basketball and their senior flavors. But Avery Anderson looks to take another huge leap and be one of the top players in the Big 12. And Caleb Boone and Alexander Moncrief are both capable of putting up 20 if needed. Overall, close game. But I think Illinois is more talented, so I'll give Illinois the unbiased win. Now, next up, you got Memphis and Drake. Earl Timberlake, the transfer, looks to help Josh Minot and Sam Iomide in helping Penny Hardaway's overrated Memphis team because they've been overrated these past couple of years. Boogie Ellis to USC really hurt them, along with Jeffries to Mississippi State. Nellie and Williams need to leave this team again, and I'm not sure if Memphis can really get this high of a seed. As for Drake, the Yesifu transfer to Kansas really hurts them, so they'll need to rely on the future senior like Roman Penn. Prediction, Memphis will kill them. Yeah, going on to Tennessee UAB. Um, you know, Tennessee only has two seniors leaving off a really good team. And, you know, UAB, they look like a good team, but with only two people leaving and a ton of depth in Tennessee, it's going to be really hard for UAB to, you know, really compete with them. I have Tennessee in a blowout. All right, moving on to uh, six-seed North Carolina Tar Heels versus the playing game between the 11-seed St. Mary's Gales and 11-seed Nevada Wolfpack. Um, North Carolina has a lot of things up in the air. They've had a lot of players leave. I'm talking six, seven players. I mean, we can go down the list. We got Garrison Brooks going to Mississippi State. We got Andrew Playtech quitting basketball. We got Walker Miller leaving. We got Daron Sharp going into the NBA draft, in my opinion, prematurely. Uh, we got Walker Kessler transferring to Auburn. We got a lot of moving parts in this team. Uh, even though they are hiring uh, former Williams assistant, um, Hubert Davis, as we all know, Williams left uh, this program. Um, but there's a lot of moving parts. And I think that North Carolina may have been seated too highly um, for my liking. Um, and I think that the representative, not the representative, but one of the representatives from the Western Athletic Conference, or sorry, from the West Coast Conference, St. Mary's might just get the upset. North Carolina had a various one tournament performance uh, against nine seed Wisconsin in the first round of the tournament. Uh, they ended up losing that game pretty badly. And so I think with a new coach and a lot of moving parts, I think I see St. Mary's taking care of this Nevada team that's still scrambling um, after the departure of head coach Eric Musselman. Um, and I think that St. Mary's gets a victory. Now, moving on to the three-seed Baylor Bears versus 14-seed Southern Utah. I think that Baylor – even though they're going to have a lot of players leaving due to seniority or entering the NBA draft, um, I still think that they're going to be the Southern Utah team. Uh, Southern Utah has not really ever had a reputable basketball program, and I think that Baylor coming off all of their tournament success should have this game pretty easily in the bag. All right, taking a look at USC Seton Hall. Seton Hall having, you know, a little rough of a year in the Big East, and USC had a great year, but losing uh, Isaiah Mobley to the uh, to the NBA draft. I think this is going to be a close one. Take a look at the two teams. Hopefully, Seton Hall will have a little bit of an upswing, but I think USC will keep it together this game. 
uh, especially with the depth they have and some of the freshmen they will get. Uh, USC will win this game over Seton Hall. Yeah, for sure. Moving on to the two-seed Purdue and 15 Winthrop. Wow. Purdue, a lot of people are saying they're winning the Big Ten this year. With everyone staying with the exception of possible Travion Williams, that is a phenomenal team. Only exception if Travion Williams leaves, oh, well, you got two power forwards coming. Trey Kaufman and Caleb First. It won't matter if Williams leaves. These two can easily make up for him. As for Wilton losing Adonis Arms and Chandra Vaudrin will hurt them a lot. DJ Burns will have to carry the load, and scoring will not be as even as it has been. Purdue should kill him if they actually have this matchup. All right, taking a look at Kansas and Yale. I disagree with this completely with Lenardi. I think this is a really bad take. I don't think an Ivy team is going to be a 16. I think they're going to be a 13 or a 14 this year, just depending on uh, just looking at the talent on some of these Ivy rosters. And I don't think it's Yale. I think it's going to be either Harvard or Princeton. I think they just have better teams. Harvard has a great incoming class, and Princeton has Jalen Llewellyn, one of the best players in the Ivy League. Yale loses Paul Atkinson uh, and Azar Sween and only retains Matthew Cotton as one of the role players. So Yale's going to have a really tough time along with Penn competing for the Ivy League. Um, but taking a look at this game, you know, if it stayed the way Lenardi predicted it, um, I, I have no choice to put Kansas here. But this is a really bad take by Lenardi. I completely disagree with this. And taking a look at Louisville, Arizona – uh, you had real two really big transfers for Arizona, Omar Bayo's coming and uh, and Tommy Lloyd. I mean, those are two big transfers. Omar Bayo is like a mini Shaq. He is huge. He's going to provide a lot of inside game to this offense and defense. I, I, I see Arizona winning this game. I really like that take. Moving on to Kentucky, the five seed versus the UC Irvine 12 seed. With the seventh best recruiting class in basketball, Kentucky's young talent will need to carry this team. With Donis leaving Texas, that hurts them. But not as much as it would if you didn't have star guard Marcus Carr coming there through the transfer portal. Kentucky should be set. Versing UC Irvine, well, and Baker will need to really carry the scoring load again because this team isn't great and it'll need to rely on its defense. Give me Kentucky easily. All right, so you're going to look at Michigan State Colgate. Anyone else surprised that Lenardi gave this team such a big jump after losing their first four game? Like, I know I am. I mean, I, I bet they're going to have a great team this year. I, that's no cap. But to, 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 to put him as an 11 seed, losing to UCLA in the first round and immediately jumping them up to a four seems a little bit hasty of Lenardi. That being said, Colgate is a great three-point shooting team. And they have people like the guy we interviewed, Jeffrey Woodward, coming back. Check out that interview, link in our bio. Um, they, they have hit them and a bunch of others coming back. But, you know, I don't think uh, – I, I think this is going to be super close again. I think this could be one of your really big upsets at a 4-13. I'm going to go Michigan State because if Lenardi's predicting that big of a jump, I, I he sees something that I don't. But I, this is going to be really close. I, I'm really sorry. I am disagree with you on the closeness, but we will argue that if that matchup actually ever happens. Next up, we got six seed West Virginia versus eleven Belmont. Emmett Matthews leaves. Jordan McCabe leaves. Oscar Tishwebe leaves, along with McBride and Colver and Sherman all leaving. 
They're really needing to rely on their young talent like McNeil and incoming freshmen. Belmont, though, they just had a great season. They're retaining a lot of their players. They just can't choke in their conference tournament to make it here. And you know what? Give me Belmont, actually, if they don't, if they do make it here. I think they can do exactly what Moorhead State didn't and beat West Virginia, just because West Virginia has all their top stars leaving. Right. Um, moving on. Uh, following the theme of Ethan, uh, you'll see what I mean in a second. We have a Florida State team who is losing a bit of capital. They're losing Scotty Barnes. And that was really the focal point of their offense this year. Uh, he just led this team brilliantly. But um, to my knowledge, they don't really have anybody to fill that gap um, in terms of how they're going to run their offense. And Wofford, on the other hand, finished second in their conference. And they're losing their backcourt duo of Storm Murphy, Storm Murphy and Trey Howell. But they do have a good backcourt duo uh, coming in who – is um, Morgan Stafford and Max Klesmit. And they had an ample amount of playing time this year. With that being said, with their finish, and with those two guards playing under their uh, their counterparts who started and learning from them, I believe that Wofford, in this in this scenario, has a chance to beat this Florida State team. It sounds like a fiery take, but I think Florida State should not be a three seed. I don't think they're going to be around a three seed. And I think Wofford has a chance to make some noise in this tournament this year. I'm going with Wofford. Wow, very interesting. Although their head coach is known to tell his players let it rain from deep, unlike some other teams. Although Xavier has been known to let it fly from deep along with Florida. The 7-10 matchup is going to be very intriguing if it ever happens. Xavier lost three players to the portal, so Fremantle will need to lead this team in scoring again, if not take a bigger load. And just 16 points per game. As for Florida, they lost two players to the transfer portal that aren't huge, and then they gained four, including but not limited to Myrene Jones and Brandon McKissick, along with a flurry of freshmen. Give me flurry, give me Florida over Xavier any day of the week. And to round out our Jolinardi early early tournament uh, prediction analysis, we have. Michigan Wolverines versus the 15 seed Grand Canyon team. Um, is it, I mean, is it, is it, I, I can wrap this up in, you know, three seconds. I think that Michigan comfortably beats Grand Canyon. Uh, although Grand Canyon did a bit of a fight this year uh, in their tournament game and Joe Lenardi has them coming back, which I don't see a problem with. Um, I think that they're just seated, you know, at a place where they can't really get much done at this 15 seed versus this two seed with this Michigan team retaining Hunter Dickinson, who I think is going to absolutely eat up the college basketball world next year. Uh, give me Michigan. And uh, that's all. Thank you for listening. And Ben, do you have any other notes? No, but you kind of stole my lines. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So to wrap it up, like John said, um, thank you for listening to our Joe Lenardi predictions. And if you have a disagreement or you want to have another take, we have a, we have a new chat on Instagram. DM us at Creating Madness to let us know to let you in that chat. Give all the takes you want. It's just a free-flowing college basketball space. Make sure to join that chat. And, and to find our social media, check out uh, uh, underscore Creating Madness to DM us for the chat. Follow us on Instagram. That's where we post a lot of stuff. And at ATR Madness on Twitter. Just a quick shout-out to the Unwrapped Sports Network, our partner podcast, our partner network. Uh, check out their social partner podcast and their Patreon. $1 to become a fan, $5 to join the Discord chat with sports fans from across the country, only available to the $5 and $10 members. 
and the $10 members, you get everything in the $5. And yes, I mean everything, including a signed giveaway. We have a signed helmet from who is this uh, this month, John? Ricky Williams. Ricky Williams uh, from the New Orleans Saints, uh, UT alum. Obviously, John's a fan of him. Okay. And uh, we'll have stuff flowing every month uh, from the Patreon. So make sure to check out that out. Uh, thank you for so much for tuning in. We got more interviews lined up. We have our regular episode Wednesday next week. Uh, take care, y'all. Peace out.